Gracias. and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Welcome to Alive. This is Claire, and thank you once again for joining the program. Now, wasn't that absolutely beautiful? Uh, It's not my normal theme tune, but that was the priests, uh, those incredible, beautiful singers, and I just absolutely love that. So mm, I might have to change my theme tune. Now, apologies over the last... uh, a couple of weeks that I have uh, asked the radio station to play some older programs because I haven't actually been able to get in here. <clears throat> so uh, please excuse me for that. So this is the first uh, live recording that we've had uh, since the lockdown on the 25th of March, which seems just so long ago, eight weeks ago. Incredible. And it's like we have entered another era and our lives will actually never be the same again, and that, that's for sure, night and day. And I hear um, on the radio this morning that they are going to allow more than 10 people at a church service, but of course you have to sign in, you have to sit two metres apart, and that the, pre- um, the police have been asked to show a little bit of discretion Uh, I hope that will work. I hope that we will get the people uh, back into the church services and people will be able to receive the Holy Eucharist again. So uh, that is a little bit of movement in the right direction. However, as I said, things have changed. It's a bit like uh, level two is the new normal and we just might get used to this, but it is a huge curb on our freedoms and you know, having to sign in, sign out, uh, total tracking, tracking on your phone if you agree to it, and the passing of the laws last week that will allow the police to enter your home without a warrant um, for whatever reason. Uh, supposedly, it's to count the number of people, but like all laws, they don't get dialed back, and they can be abused. 
and I think uh, that was a great infringement of our civil liberties. It is going before a select committee. However, um, someone said to me last night that the select committee, if you look at who makes it up, um, it's not likely to be dialed back. So we'll see about that. Anyway, just something I wanted to do today because in lockdown, I was speaking with a friend and he's mentioned his devotion to the Holy Face before. Now, I've heard of this devotion, but um, it's the oldest uh, Catholic devotion in the world. And it's certainly, um, when we think of St. Therese of Lisieux, she had another title on the end of that, and it was of the Holy Face. So she was absolutely devoted to the Holy Face. It was a devotion that her older sister Agnes who was a nun in the Carmelite convent um, that she entered, and she introduced her to this devotion. And it's an absolutely beautiful devotion. And, of course, it goes right back when our Lord was carrying his cross and St. Veronica stepped out of the crowd and gave him a cloth to wipe his face. And as a thank you uh, for her devotion and her courage, our Lord left the imprint of his face on their cloth. So I would just like to read a little bit about it from the book that I just uh, brought recently, a little book that you can get um, from Family Life International, actually, their Catholic gift shop, 569 uh, Richardson Road, Mount Roscoe South. They have an amazing Catholic uh, gift shop there, and they had these little booklets, and I brought half a dozen uh, different topics, St. Michael, um, all the different things. You can get different novenas, different saints. So I'd just like to read you um, page one. So this is called The Merits De- Derived from Meditating on the Passion of Christ. The devotion to the Passion of our Lord and Saviour is, of all forms of Catholic devotion, the most ancient, the most venerable, the most universal. Jesus himself has written the remembrance of his passion deep into the hearts of his faithful. In order to imprint most deeply in our souls in remembrance of his sacred passion, Christ instituted Holy Mass, the unbloody renewal of the sacrifice of the cross. For what reason did Jesus leave the impression of his bloody and disfigured countenance on the cloth that Veronica presented to him? Why did he take care to have the instruments of his passion preserved, such as the cross, the nails, the crown of thorns, and the winding sheet? Was it not that we would keep vividly before us the remembrance of his his bitter passion? Toller, one of the great mystics of the Middle Ages, said, Once when a venerable servant of God asked our Lord what a man merited who exercised himself devoutly in meditating upon his passion, Christ answered, By such meditation he merits, 1. To be cleansed from his sins, 2. To have all his negligences supplied by the merits of of my sufferings, Three, to be strengthened so that he will not easily be overcome by his enemies. Four, that my grace will be renewed in him as often as he reflects on my suffering. Five, 
that I refuse him nothing that is will if he earnestly asks for it. Six, that I lead him to perfection before his death. Seven, that I assist him in his last hour, protect him against his enemies, and give him an assurance of salvation. Now what amazing promises that a person who meditates on the holy face of our Lord and the passion of Jesus Christ can receive all of those wonderful things. I'll just read them out again, actually. One, to be cleansed from his sins. Two, to have all his negligences supplied by the merits of my sufferings. To be strengthened so that he will not easily be overcome by his enemies. That my grace will be renewed in him as often as he reflects on my sufferings. That I refuse him nothing that is providable if he earnestly ask for it, that I lead him to perfection before his death, that I assist in his last hour, perfect him against his enemies, and give him an assurance of salvation. So those are wonderful promises that our Lord uh, has given to us and to anyone who meditates on the passion of Christ and particularly the devotion of the holy face. So, fruits of the meditation on the passion. Okay, so it cleanses us from our sins. So, it is impossible for a soul who takes our Lord's suffering seriously to heart to continue offending God willfully, especially by mortal sin. St. Alphonsus impresses this upon us by affirming, a soul who believes in the passion of Jesus Christ infrequently thinks thereupon will find it impossible to go on offending her saviour. And it strengthens us against temptation. Frequent and devout meditation on the sufferings of our Lord has the wonderful power to enable us to overcome our passions. St. Augustine writes in his confession that whenever he was tempted of impurity, he resisted Satan successfully by meditating on the wounds of Jesus. As often as I am tempted, he says, I seek refuge in the wounds of Jesus. I fly into the heart of thy mercies of my Lord. Another promise that will lead us to perfection before our death. One of the principal sources of our sanctification is the tender and compassionate remembrance of our Saviour's suffering. St. Bonaventure addresses these words to the soul-seeking perfection. If thou, O man, wouldst advance from virtue to virtue, if thou wouldst lead a perfect life, then meditate daily on the passion of Christ. Nothing else can so powerfully urge the soul to holiness. The painful wounds of our Saviour's body penetrate even the hardest of hearts and inflame the coldest of souls with love. It gives us an insurance of a happy death. St. Alphonsus Liguri says, Souls that are tormented by the devil and tremble for their eternal salvation will feel great consolation in withdrawing their eyes from the outward world and fixing them on the cross where Jesus hangs, bleeding from every wound. It ensures for us a special glory in heaven. This was revealed to St. Gertrude 
Once on the feast of St. John the Evangelist, she beheld how this beloved apostle enjoyed a special bliss in heaven because he had always begun his uh, contemplations with remembrance of our Saviour's passion, on which he had been an eyewitness. Moreover, we should love to meditate upon the passion therein our Saviour makes his virtues shine forth with great brilliance. He possesses every virtue in his soul, but the occasions of manifesting them especially arrive in his passion for his Father, his charity for mankind, hatred of sin, forgiveness of injuries, patience, meekness, fortitude, obedience to lawful authority, compassion, all these virtues shine forth in a heroic manner for our imitation. Jesus in his passion is our divine model in suffering. If therefore we frequently contemplate his sufferings and strive to imitate his virtues, we shall receive special graces which will transform us little by little into his likeness and prepare us to share in his glory in heaven. Now, the imprint of our Saviour's blood-stained countenance on the veil of St. Veronica. So the veneration of the dolorous face of our Saviour Jesus Christ, as proved in Rome and practiced throughout the Church, had its beginnings during the very Passion of our Lord. It came to us through the heroic woman whose memory, from the first ages of Christianity, has been inseparably connected with the six stations of the Holy Way of the Cross and who is known to us as Saint Veronica. The Son of God was being led forth to execution through the crowded streets of Jerusalem, followed by a shouting rabble which filled the air with loud, insulting cries. Our Divine Lord, exhausted by the tortures of the night, fell beneath the heavy weight of his cross. A man, Simeon of Cyrene, who was passing by, was compelled by the inhuman soldiers to assist Jesus in carrying the cross. The sad procession had advanced but a short distance further when suddenly a woman of majestic appearance broke through the infuriated mob and offered our Saviour a veil as a sign of her compassion. Upon her wiped his adorable face, covered with sweat and blood. In reward for her sympathy, our blessed Redeemer imprinted indelibly upon her veil the likeness of his sacred countenance. Now the treasure of the Vatican. A tradition says that at the advice of St. Peter, Veronica later entrusted the Holy Veil to the care of St. Clement, a noble Roman who was a disciple of St. Peter and his third successor in the See of Rome. From the hands of Pope St. Clement, this venerated relic passed to his successors, who guarded it most carefully during the long years of persecution. Ever since that time, the Holy Veil has remained in Rome, where it is preserved with the greatest care as one of the most precious relics of the Vatican Basilica. Every year, in Lent, the Holy Veil is taken from the rich casket in which it is treasured, 
and from a high balcony erected on one of the pillars of the Vatican Basilica, it is exposed to the veneration of the faithful. An eyewitness writes, One cannot, without feelings of tenderness, compassion and sorrow, look upon the noble brow covered with blood, the divine eyes livid and bloody, the whole face pallid as in death. On the right cheek is seen the mark of the cruel blow inflicted by the brutal soldier, and on the left are traces of the insults of the Jews who spat upon him. The nose is bruised and blood-stained, the mouth half, half open, the teeth broken, the beard dishevelled and partly torn out, the hair matted with blood. But the whole sacred face, though disfigured, presents an appearance of indescribable majesty and compassion, love and sadness. The miraculous preservation of this veiled prude complacency our Lord takes in the veneration of his holy face. So transfigured in the holy veil, in the memorable days of Pope Pius IX, God deigned by a touching modesty to glorify the sacred image venerated in the Vatican. It was during the exile of the Holy Father in, in Gaeta in 1849 when the Vale of Veronica was allowed to be exposed for veneration from Christmas to Epiphany. On the third day of the exposition, the veil, somewhat faded, became transfigured, as it were. The sacred features of our Saviour appeared lifelike and were surrounded by a mild halo. Though covered with a piece of silk which would normally prevent one from distinguishing them, the sacred features could nevertheless be distinctly seen. The holy face was of a deathly pallor, the eyes sunken yet animated with an expression of profound sadness. The canons who were guarding the veil immediately notified their colleagues and everyone in the basilica. The bells were rung and the faithful flocked to the Vatican. The witnesses to this prodigy were filled with wonder and awe and many were in tears, and all were visibly affected. So it's amazing. It uh, came alive once again, because, of course, our Lord is alive, and just like many, many statues of Our Lady come alive, uh, because Our Lady is alive. So this is only to be expected. So uh, if you have time please go into Family Life International Catholic Gift Shop and find out uh, more about this wonderful devotion. And I'm sure they've got some books left. I didn't buy them all. But you can go online and look up the devotion of the Holy Face and just see how important it is. Here, um, some of the saints have said, you know, what is the best way we can, um, you know, Become a saint, and they will say, you um, meditate on the passion of Christ. Because, of course, if you do that and you just keep meditating, you are changed just by thinking that this is God himself who came down to earth and became man and was crucified on a cross 
to save us from our sins. So the greatest act of reparation that there has ever been in this world. And so if God himself can do that for us, you know, um, the least we can do is to devote ourselves to this meditation and to have before us constantly the passion of Christ so that we can little by little grow in virtue because that is one of the things, one of the promises that you cannot help but grow in virtue if you have this image before you. And if you looked at that image every day and really contemplated what that image meant and what God himself did for us, it would change us. Every day it would change us just a little bit more and we would grow in faith and love. And that's what it's all uh, designed to do. So, getting back to where we are at this time, I pray that people will be able to get back to Mass and it will be a little bit complicated, but I certainly recommend that we all do that and with a bit of um, you know, generosity on the priest's part because they will probably you know, offer more masses for us to be able to do that. So we must be very, very grateful to them for making themselves available. And the thing that we can do to be grateful is to turn up at those masses. You might have to book in uh, because I'm not sure, or you could kneel outside, but we're coming into winter. Things might, you know, once the rain starts, it things are not going to be quite so easy. So I would just encourage everyone to do that. And as I said, go online and find out more about the devotion of the Holy Face and more about St. Therese of Lisieux and what she says about her devotion to the Holy Face and why it mattered so much to her. Now, at Christmas, I was very blessed to be visiting my daughter and son-in-law and their family in northern France and they lived very close to Lisieux so we were able to go to uh, the beautiful basilica there which was absolutely breathtaking and we went to the convent where um, St. Therese where she lived Um, I was also blessed to be able to go to a few other wonderful places as well one of them that was on my bucket list, and I never ever thought I would ever get there, was Mont Saint Michel because that was only two hours away from where we lived, and that was absolutely breathtaking. And we went to quite a few places, Ruda Park, that was absolutely fantastic to see where Our Lady spoke to St. Catherine Labore and the Miraculous Medal. And every Catholic, and in fact, every person should wear a um, a blessed, miraculous medal around their neck. Uh, That would be a wonderful thing for the world. And Our Lady, in the image, she has her hands outstretched and there are rays coming from her fingers. Some of the rays are long, but some of them are short. And Our Lady explained that the short rays are the graces that people have not asked for. So Our Lady is waiting for you to ask her. She is the advocate, Our Lord... Uh, distributes graces through his mother. Remember at Cana, um, you know, Our Lady 
us to sound they've run out of wine. What is it to me? But of course, you know, he can never refuse his mother anything. Okay, so we're going to finish with that beautiful hymn again and hopefully you'll tune in next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.